A number of years ago, I invited my friend uh, Daryl Huckabee to speak to a men's group at my last church. And I've known Daryl for many years now, and I knew at that point in time that he was speaking to the group that uh, he had cancer. And so when I introduced him to the group, I let the group know that Daryl was in his last days and that they needed to pay attention because this might be the last time they hear from him. And a lot of times when people are in their last days, they, they really think about the messages they want to give. And so that night, the, the men, they leaned in, they listened to Daryl. And 10 years later, Daryl still makes fun of me for that because he's alive. Uh, <laughs> he's alive. <laughs> uh, I, I had some misinformation on his diagnosis, so I wasn't exactly... You know, communicating right. But he also thanked me for that introduction because he said, you know what? That group of people listened better than anybody else ever did. And this morning, I want to let you know that, that, that God willing, I will live a long life. But I am in my last days with you here. I'm in my last days. And uh, just a number of weeks, Emily and I will move to Nashville. And it's a, it's a bittersweet move. But we will be moving on. And so I only have this message and three others to deliver. And so as I've been thinking about these final messages, I've been thinking about them and praying about them purposefully of what does God want to say to us as a church in this season. And I want to invite you to lean in, listen to God's word, and let's try and be obedient to it together. And so last week we had a great uh, guest preacher of sorts, our founding pastor, Dr. Stephen Usry, and he did a great job, didn't he? He did an awesome job bringing a message about how to live a wise life. And this morning, I want to talk with you about how to live a blessed life. How to live a life so that whatever you do, you are walking in God's blessings. And in Scripture, we're going to look at, at some verses that tell us what we need to do if that's the kind of life we want to have. And so as we open up God's Word together, would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength and you are our Redeemer. Help open up our ears, our eyes, our hearts, and our hands today as we open up your Word together. In Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible or a Bible app, I want to invite you to open up James chapter 1. We're going to be beginning in verse 19. And as you're, you're opening that up, I want to let you know something, especially if you, you're, you're a guest or maybe you haven't been here that many years, that, that you may not know when this church was being built. We have a picture here of what it looks like in about 2014. Before the foundation was laid and before the metal was put up and everything was finished, uh, Pastor Stephen, he came to this very spot. We knew exactly where uh, the platform was going to be. And he came to the middle of the platform and he took a Bible and he placed it here right under this spot and he prayed over this spot because he wanted us as a church to always remember that God's word is at our foundation, that that's what we're based upon. Because in here we find words that lead to life, life abundant here and now and life everlasting into eternity. And so with that in mind, I, I want you to, to hear these words from James, the brother of Jesus, as he writes a letter to a number of churches scattered all over who are experiencing real challenges in their midst. He says this, verse 19, know this, my dear brothers and sisters, 
everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to grow angry. That could be a three-part sermon series for the church in America, couldn't it? How to be slow to speak, how to be quick to listen, and how to be slow to grow angry. You can tell the next pastor they need to preach on those because I think that's a message we all need to hear. But let's continue. Verse 20, this is because an angry person does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, with humility, set aside all moral filth and the growth of wickedness and welcome the word planted deep inside of you, the very word that is able to save you. You must be doers of the word and not only hearers who mislead themselves. Those who hear but don't do the word are like those who look at their faces in a mirror. They look at themselves, walk away, and immediately forget what they were like. But there are those who study the perfect law, the law of freedom, and continue to do it. They don't listen and then forget, but they put it into practice in their lives. They will be blessed in whatever they do. If those who claim devotion to God don't control what they say, they mislead themselves. Their devotion is worthless because true devotion, the kind that is pure and faultless before God the Father, is this, to care for orphans and widows in their difficulties and to keep the word from contaminating us. Do you want to be blessed in whatever you do? Not many of you. Do you want to be blessed in whatever you do? Just checking. James tells us here. He puts it very simply. These final messages are not going to be that complicated. He puts it very simply. He says there's two things you need to do if you want to be blessed in whatever you do. He says, first, you need to hear God's word. Second, you need to do God's word. Or you can think about it this way. He says you need to listen to God's word. And then he says you need to live out God's word. And when it comes to listening God's word, hearing it, consuming it, being shaped by it, I mean, there was a time when when it was a lot easier. I mean, there was a time, some of you remember, when you were in school, you would learn about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the Apostle Paul, whether it was a Bible study or whether it was in literature class. Anyone remember those days when you learned about those characters in school? I mean, some of you, like my house, I'm packing up my books. I have like a thousand books and I have a Kindle with another few hundred on there. Some of you might remember when you were growing up, you had about five books in your house, and one of them was a big family Bible. Anyone have a big family Bible in their house? There weren't a lot of options, right? There wasn't Netflix Unlimited. It was a lot easier to focus on God's Word. There was a time when when families used to come to church every Sunday. They'd come Sunday morning, hear God's Word proclaimed. They'd come back Sunday evening. I can't imagine preaching two sermons every Sunday. I have to take my nap. So, you know, people would come in the morning, in the evening, on Wednesday night, on Thursday night, and they would hear God's word over and over again. But can I tell you something you probably already know? Those days are over. And we can get nostalgic and we can wish they would come back and we can bemoan it or we can acknowledge reality as it is now and try to move forward. Because, you see, we can no longer rely on the culture to help us and our family members be shaped by God's word. We instead have to take personal responsibility and we have to cultivate spiritual disciplines. We have to put God's word as a focus in each of our lives. We can't expect other people to do it for us. 
George Gallup Jr., he, he said this. He's a pollster who's polled millions of people all over the world. He said, in America, we revere the Bible, but we don't read it. It's the best-selling, least-read book in America. When I read that, I said, yeah, I know that's true. I know that's true. He knows it's true. He's talked to so many people. And as people of faith, as, as Christians, I mean, this is a problem for us, right? Because we believe God's word is the primary way God speaks to us. We believe that everything necessary for faith and salvation is found here. We believe this is the ultimate authority for our lives. And so when we neglect to be shaped by the word, instead what happens is we get shaped by the world. And so when it comes to morality, instead of understanding morality from the scriptures, morality is dictated by the majority, and we say, whatever, that's fine. Or when it comes to identity, instead of looking at who God says we are and who God created us to be, we look at who others say we are and we take that on as our identity. Instead of our purpose coming from Jesus Christ and what he told us to do, we listen to political pundits and, and take marching orders from them and do what they say we should do. We've been shaped by the world instead of being shaped by the word when we neglect to hear it. And, and here's one thing I, I think is is the saddest thing is that when we neglect to hear God's word and listen to it, we also quickly forget how much God loves us. Because while the Bible, I'll, I'll, I'll say this if you've never read it much, it's not the easiest book to read. It's a library. It's a library of 66 books written by many different authors over many different years. But there is one overarching story found throughout the scriptures and it is a story of God's love for you for me for us for all of humanity it's a story that begins in the garden when God created the world out of love he created us to love him and love one another and then we read about how we we messed everything up how sin entered the picture and how when we rejected God God didn't reject us God pursued us he went after us. He relentlessly came with his reckless love to save us through the person of Jesus Christ who lived a perfect life, modeling what a life of love looks like, who died a death upon the cross, taking the punishment that we deserved upon himself, who rose again in victory so that we could enjoy eternity with God and we could experience joy and love and healthy relationships here and now it's in these pages that we, we learn about God's affection for us. How he doesn't only love us and tolerate us, he likes us. You ever thought about that? God doesn't just love you, he likes you. He created you. He loved you so much he sent his one and only son Jesus to die for you. And when we neglect God's word and we, we don't go to it regularly, what it's like is it's like receiving a letter of love and encouragement from someone and just putting it in a drawer and never looking at it again. And I've been thinking about that, that, that image this week because I'm starting to clean out my office. And I have, a, I have a physical file folder with notes of encouragement and love that you've written me over the years. I have a digital folder too. When people send me encouraging emails, I, I file them away and then every once in a while I pull them out. As I'm packing up my house, I have love letters from my wife, Emily. I found one recently. 
And as I think about those, those letters, like when, when you receive a letter of love from someone, you don't just read it for information like a textbook and then say, you know what, I read it, I'm done, it's good to go. No, no, you cherish it. You find somewhere quiet. You read between the lines. You think about what was going on here. What are they trying to say? You don't just let it inform you. You let the words transform you. And that's how it's supposed to be with God's word. It's a letter of his love for each and every one of us. And he doesn't want us to just read it for information, but for transformation. James says this, he says, study the perfect law, the law of freedom. And the psalmist in Psalm chapter one, we read this, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Now this is a rhetorical question. Are you listening to God's word on a regular basis? Are you hearing it? Are you consuming it? Are you being shaped by it? And if not, I'll say you're missing out. Because God wants to speak to you. He wants to communicate his great love for you, his grace for you, his mercy for you. He wants to show you the way to live a blessed life. And so if you're not, I I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. Find a reading plan. Find a, a, a daily habit. Get the Bible app on your phone. Start with one of the Gospels in the Gospel of John and just begin reading a little bit each day. Because James tells us this is how a blessed life begins. By listening to God's Word. But he doesn't stop there. He he actually says it's not enough. He continues, verse 22, he says, You must be doers of the Word, And not only hearers who mislead themselves. Those who hear but don't do the word are like those who look at their faces in a mirror. They look at themselves, walk away, and immediately forget what they were like. James says, look, if you you look into a mirror and you see that you're having a terrible hair day, that your face is dirty... And then you just go out into public and you just kind of forget everything you recently saw. He's saying, look, you're wasting your time. Why would you even go look at the mirror? It was a worthless activity. And he uses this illustration to say, look, if you're going to open up God's word, if you're going to read it, you're going to consume it, but then you're going to do nothing about it. He's saying it's kind of a waste of time. Because we're called to be not only hearers of God's word, we're called to be doers. We're not only called to listen, we're called to live it out on a daily basis. And this is the key difference between fans of Jesus and followers of Jesus. I don't know if you've ever heard this distinction before. We got a a whole softball team over here. I don't know if y'all know that this morning. We got a softball team over here. If you're on the softball team, raise your hand. Let's give it up for them. They're here to support Katie, who's going to be baptized later. Her teammates came. They know about fans because a lot of their fans are over here. And what do these fans do? These fans stand on the sidelines and they cheer. And they say, get it, do it, go for it. And that's what fans of Jesus Christ do. They say, Jesus, you're awesome. 
we believe in you. We love your word. We believe everything you said is true. You are great. And then Jesus says, well, come on the field, step into the action. And the fans are like, no, 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 you got it. I'm not able to do any of that. No, Jesus, we like what you're doing, but we're going to stay up here in the bleachers. That's what fans of Jesus Christ do. Followers of Jesus Christ, they, 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 they're fans of Jesus. They celebrate him. They believe everything he said was true, but fans aren't content to stay on the sideline. Followers aren't content to stay on the sidelines. Followers step into the game. Followers do what he says. Followers say, I'm willing to go where you go. I'm willing to do what you said to do. I'm willing to think as you think. I'm willing to get dirty and slide into home base. That's what you call me to do. Because disciples of Jesus Christ are doers of the word. True disciples are doers, not just listeners. My friend J.D. Walt, he, he puts it this way. He says, imagine that your child asks for a Christmas gift in October. And you go ahead and buy it, and then you realize it has those three dreaded words, some assembly required. Y'all knew that. Wow. My son's only two. I haven't had to do a lot of that yet. But So then you, you read those words, and you think, okay, is this like three minutes or three months of assembly. You know, you got to figure out. And so he says, imagine that every day leading up to Christmas, you read the instructions for this amazing toy that he wanted. You read the instructions, you study the instructions, you go to your spouse and you say, look at, look at this and look at this and look at this. And, and you keep studying them, reflecting on them, reading them, but you never take any of the stuff out of the box to actually build it. He says, how do you think your child would feel on Christmas morning? Probably a little disappointed. J.D. goes on to say, that's what a lot of Christians do today. We read the instructions. We study the instructions. We say, these instructions are amazing. We go to conferences and talk about the instructions. We get together with other people and we say, we love the instructions, but a lot of times we don't actually begin doing anything with the instructions. And that's a, it's a waste of time. James actually says this. James says if you're just listening to the word and not doing it, he, he says you're deceiving yourself because you think you're doing great things for the kingdom of God, but you're actually not doing much at all. Yes, the first step is listening, but the second step is doing. And he says, look, if you're just, just listening, he says actually your religion is worthless. And then later in his letter, he says faith without works, faith that's not put into action is actually, do you know what he says? It's dead. But then he also says, look, faith without works is dead. Listening without doing, pretty worthless. But he also says, when you listen and you live it out, then you will be blessed in whatever you do. When you are hearers and doers, you will be blessed in whatever you do. And now, this is a, a word, blessed, that a lot of times our image of what the word blessed means is, is shaped by the world and not by the word. And so when we think of blessed, if you look up hashtag blessed on Instagram, what are you going to see? Cars, a pool. Maybe your blessed life is a fishing boat. Anybody's blessed life include a fishing boat? No, not yours. Maybe it's a dog. Maybe it's going to Buckner's every meal. 
we all have this image of what the blessed life looks like. But the blessed life in Scripture is a lot of times different than the blessed life that, that we've come to believe from, from culture. And, and I love what Pope Francis says about the blessed life. He said this one time. He said, what does the word blessed mean? The original Greek word makarios doesn't mean someone who has a full belly or is doing well, but rather a person who is in a condition of grace, who progresses in the grace of God and who progresses on the path of God. In other words, when we walk in obedience, it doesn't mean that that everywhere we go is going to be safe, that we're going to have everything we've ever desired in life. No, instead, walking in obedience means we will be blessed, which means wherever we go, we are walking in grace. We are walking with God and we are experiencing his goodness, no matter the trials, no matter the suffering, no matter the difficulties, and no matter the hardships of where following him might lead. So James says to live a blessed life, be hearers, be doers. But he doesn't just leave it theoretical. He doesn't just leave it theoretical for people because a lot of times when we leave things theoretical, you say, yeah, I believe that, hear and do, great message. You know, he gives application because they were going through some drama in the church at the time. And I think the application is applicable for us today. Here's what he says. Let's go to the next slide. He says, if those who claim devotion to God don't control what they say, they mislead themselves. Their devotion is worthless. True devotion, the kind that is pure and faultless before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their difficulties and to keep the world from contaminating us. So he challenges the people. If you're going to listen and do, here are two things you need to do. He says, number one, control what you say. As Christians, that's something we're commanded to do in God's word. Control what you say. Number two, he says you need to care for people who can't necessarily care for themselves. Care for people who can't necessarily care for themselves. And these are the two challenges I want to leave you with today. Because here's here's my hope. My hope is that long after I'm gone, when people see Harvest Point at the Geranium Festival, or they come here for an election like they're going to come on Tuesday, or they see you wearing a Harvest Point shirt or see it on your car, or they they find out that's where you go to church. My hope is that when people in our community hear that, they immediately think, man, that's the church where, where people are kind, where people are loving. Where, where people are, are graceful. That's a church where I know if I need someone to care for me, I can come and they are going to care for me. That's a church where I know if I have, if you were here last week, you'll get this. If I have a rabbit that I don't want anymore, I can drop it off at the church and they will find a home for the rabbit. We found a home for the rabbit last week, amen? amen. And a lot of parents are glad it didn't go to their house. Somebody dropped off a rabbit because they said, look, I can trust this church is going to care for the rabbit. My hope is that when people come here with broken hearts, broken lives, when they come here and they're at the bottom, they can say, I know I'm going to receive love and care and grace here. Those people of Harvest Point, those are people that live like Jesus. They are people that look 
like Jesus. We can't do it on our own power. We need God's power at work within us. So would you bow your heads with me as we ask God's power, his presence, his spirit to enable us to live in that way. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have never given up on us. We thank you that you sent prophets. You sent leaders. You sent your law, your word, your son, Jesus Christ, to help show us the way so that we might receive the gift of eternal life and abundant life now, that we might be saved. And God, as, as people who have been saved by you and the work of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray that you'd, you'd help us serve other people with love. You'd help us be doers of the word. That you'd help us see opportunities that we can make an impact. God, that you'd help us control our tongues. Be quick to listen. God, ultimately, we just pray that you help us live like your son, Jesus. We know with you all things are possible. And so even when we feel so far from living like him, God, we pray that you would encourage us and that you would empower us today and every day. Amen. Amen. Well, the band is going <clears> to <throat> lead us in a song and uh I'm going to go get changed and prepare for the baptism. We're going to bring the kids in as well. So if you have a kid in kids ministry, please be on the lookout for him. So I invite you now to stand and continue in worship.